Before we begin, I have a joke. Okay. I have a marketing joke to share. Okay. How did the bad marketer get a job making butter? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Guess, let's try. Uh, they melted themselves. <laughs> <laughs> He had the eye churn rates. He had churn rates. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's actually good. That's good. This is Marketing Over Wine, a podcast where we talk to the marketers behind the companies, strategies, and campaigns you see in the world today. They get to share the strategies and tools they use, how they manage their earnings and price their services, and the mistakes and successes they have made in their career. So whether you're just starting out in marketing and need to learn the ropes, or you're an experienced marketer seeking fresh perspectives, or a business owner looking for insights to boost your brand, you're in the right place. Each episode is an unfiltered masterclass. So come join us. I am your host, Olaumi Olaniyi. With me here today is Olabisi Adilaja a content and growth marketer and the host of Web3 Quick Bytes, a podcast where she analyzes the marketing trends in Web3 and interviews other marketers in the Web3 universe. And recently, the podcast just clocked 10,000 plays on all platforms. Mm-hmm. So welcome, Olabisi. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here today. You're welcome. You're welcome. All right, let's get into the mix of it. A kid walks up to you and asks you, Hi, BC, what do you do? You answer and then you tell them that, Hey, I'm a content marketer. I'm a growth marketer. What exactly does that mean? How would you define content marketing to a five-year-old? In the simplest of words. Okay, so you see, um, there's this thing that they always say, that if you can't explain what you do to a small child, then you have no idea what it is you are doing. True, so true. if a little kid walks up to me, I'll be like, oh yeah, TVC, in content, content marketing. What is my content marketing? Because I'm sure they will like struggle to pronounce marketing. So. Many five-year-olds are actually pretty smart, especially this recent generation, or that they call them Corona kids. Yeah, oh, they are pretty smart. Yeah, actually, pandemic children. Pan- you get pandemic it. Children. Pandemic children. Okay, well, yeah, okay, that's how they can pronounce content marketing. And then they, they come ask me what my job is as a content marketer. So this is how I will explain to them. Content marketing is like telling fun stories to get people excited about a company. Mm. Just like the way you read your Disney stories, your Barbie, the way you like stories. Uh-huh. And the way you like to watch your animation, your movies and everything. So my own job is telling these fun stories to get people excited about a company, about a brand about a business organization whatever it is and i also get to use my imagination to come up with cool articles videos and posts to help the company share their message and not to make them boring Mm. so it's like a playtime but for grown-ups this time (laughs) not for adults (laughs) i like like the explanation i like the explanation so is it just restricted to articles or other forms of content no it's not it's not just restricted to articles content marketing is way beyond articles and so when people hear content marketing they automatically think it's articles or blog posts or if content is just restricted to articles and blog posts in this age of social media that people have short attention span 
Hmm. It's going to be a waste of effort. So it's a mix of articles, blog posts, video content, podcasts yeah, like we're doing yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. And then we also have the one for the more serious people. I think, yeah, I can also group white paper under the written content. Definitely ebooks too. Yes, ebooks, white paper, ebooks, infographics. Infographics are for people who like to read and then they want like this um, breakdown of what they've just read in infographic format, like the bar charts, the pie charts, and carousels. Yes, things like that. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I mean, in of all that is what makes content marketing fun because there's no restriction, not just limited to written content. And, and yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that. Well. So I know recently you more or less like switched from Web two to Web three, which is also why you started the Web three Quick Bites. Uh-huh. So far, how has your experience been? Is the content marketing for Web two companies different from the content marketing of Web three companies? All right, that's that's actually a very good question. You know, when people hear Web three, the automatic thing, yeah. Well, Web three is actually different from Web two because it's a different technology yeah. and everything. But they're looking at it from a marketing angle. It's like different playgrounds, but content marketing still works the same magic in both. So tools in Web two and Web three and the tech are a bit different. I mean, in Web three we have the centralization. In Web two, everything is central, like um, a monopoly. Mm-hmm. Mark, Mark is the face of Facebook or Meta. Elon Musk used to be Jack before for Twitter. For yeah. LinkedIn, I think Microsoft. So there's a monopoly of power, <laughs> or how would I put it? And so yeah, that is for Web two. But for Web three is decentralized. So the tools and tech are a bit different. But there's one thing that that we have in common that Web two and Web three has in common is we still about bringing great stories to life, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, in in Web three, we are often educating people about new innovations they haven't seen before. So majority of our, our content marketing efforts are created around educating people because right now in web3 we do not have informational content yes if you can put it that way because um, right now we do not have a lot of people in the space yet if we are looking to get more people into the space you start with educating them first so i would say web3 is like the new frontier with lots of unknown and like i said before need for education and so for web2 brand the audience is already familiar with their product yeah. i mean what else can we come up in web2 that people haven't heard before or someone hasn't come up with before or even if someone hasn't come up with before someone has done something similar or close to it so the audience is already familiar with their product so content marketing and web 2 is mostly about building loyalty and growing your user base and your community but web 3 companies yeah they now need to backtrack and go to the drawing board and start to explain the core concept yeah. and value propositions to audiences who might find the innovations confusing or intimidating. I mean, we have lots of terminologies in Web3 that sounds alien. And when people hear it, they're like, what's this? What yeah. does this even mean? You're telling me your product is going to change the world or it's going to transform <laughs> the world. But then what does this F-U-G or F-U-D, what does it even mean? How can I understand your transformation when I don't even understand all these basic terminologies or all these concepts or what what everything Mm -hmm. is going to change? Yeah. So they might find it confusing or intimidating. And so the good thing about content marketing in Web3 is that Web3 is decentralized. And so the decentralized nature of Web3 allows for more collaborative partnerships in developing a more stronger content ecosystems because thanks to content format like NFTs and Metaverse's experiences, so it's actually more immersive. Mm-hmm. So I mean, strategist is still on the fact that we still need to provide value and we are still building trust at the core. But now the outreach, the approaches, our educational focuses, our messaging style, 
it's different. Now it needs to be tailored for the Web3 space specifically. So that's how content marketing is different for Web2 and for Web3. Okay, thank you. Um, like what you said, actually, I remember writing an article for a Web3 company recently, and uh, while doing some research, I was stumbling on different terminologies like soft fork, um, ad fork, all of those kind of things. Like, <laughs> <laughs> these are things you wouldn't see if you if you call yourself a finance content writer, mm-hmm. and then you basically focus on Web2 articles or Web3 content. These are terms technologies you would not see in that part but you're coming to the blockchain and then you're using different terminologies that are so different and the idea basically is needing to explain it in detail so that people can even understand where you're coming from and then where you are leading them to in terms of content yeah yeah that, that, that's true that's true let's take it back a bit let's take it back to the very beginning what did you study in school as a degree? I actually did study international relations. Wow. The reason why I asked is because I realized somehow that many marketers today actually studied something entirely different in school. Mm-hmm. So how did you get into marketing from international relations? What brought you into marketing? It's actually funny, yeah. But when I was in secondary school, I mean, way before I even got into secondary school, I've always been a person from primary school. Um, my late grandma, of this so, and my late grandpa too. I mean, my grandpa was always bringing storybooks for me. Grandma made sure I read them. Yeah. So since primary school, uh, I've been reading a lot. I loved reading. And for someone who had been an introvert from a young age, I love being indoors and I lose myself into that world of fantasy. And I try to imagine places that's different from my environment. I try to yeah. imagine how people in the stories I've read, how they act, what is going on in their lives and everything. From a very young age, I've always loved reading. I've always loved creating stories. And, and even when I was in primary school, I was known for creating tall tales. I mean, <laughs> bringing up the stories. And yeah, I mean, they did catch me once or two. I'm like, BC, you're lying. And I'm like, ah, you can't blame me. So most of this time, it actually took me a while to break out from my imagination and reality. So I was always creating tall tales based on what I've read and everything. And when I got into secondary school, I was lucky that the first friend I made in secondary school too, she loved reading. She was the one that introduced me to Harry Potter. That was my first foray into like much more advanced fictional stories that I was I was reading in primary school. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I think from there, I loved reading. I loved writing stories. And when I finished from uh, secondary school, I continued reading. I mean. Then when I got into the university, I actually didn't want to study MassCom because the idea I had for MassCom, I mean, mass communication would have been a perfect course for me to study, but I knew I didn't want to go talk in a radio station because that was the idea I had about who study math. Yeah, that, that's the idea of what Nah, people. so if someone had told me that if I had studied MassCom, I could work in an ad agency, I think I would have, but I didn't want to work in a radio station. And so uh, international relations was like a second option because aside from reading fictional stories, I also read non-fiction stories. Like I love reading about history. I love reading about all these terror leaders like Hitler, um, Napoleon, Bonaparte, Idi Amin of Uganda. So I, I love reading about these people, I love reading about Putin, his life as a secret service. So I loved reading all these things. So I, so basically, they knew me then, even at home, that just give me anything and I'll read it. Mm-hmm. Fiction, non-fiction, 
motivational, inspirational I've read it. So I think I knew that studying international relations was like a second option. And so when I um law was the first option. Please don't ask me why I didn't study law. <laughs> I was going to ask, but go ahead. Okay. okay, yeah. So I got into university, Benin Republic, studied international relations. I loved it. I loved it. I actually had to learn more at learn more backstories about all these people that I'd read in books and everything. And then I graduated and it was so difficult to get an internship in an embassy or something. It was very difficult to get an internship and I wasn't getting it. Even an entry level position, I wasn't getting it. So I had to go back to my first love. Writing. Yes, I just went back to writing and I had a small laptop day in the university and I took it back home with me and then I started writing my short stories and I wasn't even sharing any Anybody. I just loved writing it and then trying to see if I can write as good as JK Rowling or Kim Amanda <laughs> or Nora Roberts. I've always loved those women. And so I just write them and then I just read them in my spare time. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I think I'm making progress. And so one day I wrote one and I didn't even know what spurred me to. I just shared it with you. And funny enough, I just started talking to this guy, not romantic interest, just a friend. I, I wasn't going to ask. I just had to put a disclaimer out there. And so I, I just sent it to him and he didn't even get back to me immediately. I didn't know that I was doing some underground work. And when he got back to me after, he was like, okay, yo, don't be mad at me. But your story that I shared with me, I loved it. I sent it to someone who is an independent filmmaker in the UK and he wants to talk to you. Wow. I'm that, like, that's wait, <laughs> And I'm like, wait, what? You should have told me. Was like, yeah, you need to be a table, blah, 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 blah. And I've said no, something, something, sure. something, something. And then the person got in touch with me and we got talking and he said, how soon can you finish this story? I want to start it into a short movie. Oh, wow. Or like, uh-uh. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, wait. And then I was, I was still job searching. I was broke. I was like, okay. I told my mom. My mom was like, ah, we they pay big money. We they fly to the UK. I was like, uh-uh. that's the that's Typical thing. African mother. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, right? So yeah, I completed it, and there wasn't pressure from me, but they just wanted me to complete it, and I completed it, and it got made into a movie like about a year after. Oh, wow. Uh, I mean, I didn't sign up the right because I still got credits, but yeah, I mean, then for someone who was still looking for work, the money came in quite handy. Mm-hmm. What's the title of the movie? Oh yeah, Torn. T O R N on the movie it's on youtube i can always share the link after we definitely love that yeah so after that i mean the money was enough for me to get a better laptop and i got a better one so it now gave me the the motivation to actually talk to people that i write though yeah. something, something if anything comes up and so by telling people i get my i got my first copywriting gig this was um late 26 no i think yeah i think yeah 27 i can't remember the years anymore but okay. we um daily posts it's like a content mail agency I I got my copywriting gig after like about five times of trying. Uh-huh. So I worked with them for a while. That was the first time I started ending in USD. Balls. And <laughs> it was it was like it was like a lot of money. I mean, when the first money hit my account, or like wait, what? Like people actually get paid for doing what they love. And yeah, so I mean, it's been uh, an amazing journey from there. Writing for Daily Post, stop writing for them after like a year. And then I got my full-time job with um, this multinational company, Oriflame, where I joined their marketing team That's and amazing. left there, worked with agencies, traditional digital. And yeah, so 
that's how I got into marketing. I mean, from writing, started learning about marketing, and then I knew this was where I was. This was what I went there to do, and yeah. Okay, thank you for sharing. So one thing I've realized is that so many marketers don't know how to price themselves when they are applying for a particular job. Mm-hmm. Uh, for you, from the point where you submitted your story to be made into a short film to the point where you got your first copywriting gig. How exactly did you go about the pricing? Did you do some research to figure out, oh yeah, this is the kind of amount I would love to get? Or did the company offer it to you? (laughs) That's actually a great question, yeah, because I had no idea how to price or what my worth was. Definitely, it was your first job. It was my first job. I was, I'd applied to so many jobs. We booked my bad CV, my semi good cv i wasn't getting any response so so yeah so when the opportunity came and they said he was going to pay me for my story i was confused i didn't even think i'd go back to him until like after after a week or so i spoke to everybody <laughs> my mom said i should charge him in seven figures my friends then said i had the opportunity for you to make big money not seven even figures in dollars or in era in era my mom was like hey nico for one million era because i can remember how was i said one million era now because <laughs> like, ah. so yeah i was turned because yeah he left to me if he, he didn't ask to offer me money trust me i would have given him the story for free because i loved writing and it felt like a great achievement that someone even considered my short story to want to turn it into a movie mm-hmm. um, and so when was like okay what would you like to what are your charges or what would you like us to pay you something like that i asked everybody i spoke to everybody and some were just giving me conflicting prices so you know what so i sat down i actually wrote a list for my mother's one millionaire so i wrote it down <laughs> i was not looking at everything and i'm like okay what's the price that i can actually mention because uh, when it comes to negotiating, I tend to feel nervous. I think all of us do. Yeah, I think there's like a gymnastics in my head that, okay, if I call this price, would they, would they feel like uh, I'm going to do a shitty job? If I call this price, would they think it's uh, overwhelming and they don't want to work with me? And so I, I had that. It's, it was actually worse then. So I wrote it down on a piece of paper and I started looking it down and I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to tell this man I want um I want 250,000 naira. Okay. And when I now go back to him. So I don't know what, I just told him. I knew I wanted to collect 250K. And I said, okay, I've made up my mind for the story. And because it was based in the UK too, I already calculated that if I call this amount, it's just a couple of pounds to him. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, 300k. I was like, ah ah. I was like, ah ah. BC. Then he called, then he called me. <laughs> and he said, 300k. That is an independent filmmaker. He has to pay for this, he has to pay for that. How can we do 250? I was like, you know that I knew it was 250 I wanted to earn, mm-hmm. but something just said I should say 300. Because if I said 250, that probably priced me to like 200. Yeah, yeah. I said, uh, can we do 280? I don't know where I was getting this courage from because I was scared. <laughs> I was because I needed that money like crazy, but I was so scared. So I said, okay. Then after like gone back and forth, I said, okay, yeah, 250. Because I didn't want to push it for that again because I needed the money. And so that is one lesson that I learned is that when you are desperate, you tend to just um, 
lower your negotiation and then lower your prices because you don't want to lose the client. I mean, yeah. if I insisted on 300k and they wanted to make the crypto, but you most likely have most accepted. Likely would have. But also because I already had a second price in my head that, okay, if it doesn't give me the 300k, it will give me 250. And so that is one thing that has also stopped with me. So now, I mean, if I tell you this is what I want to charge, I know my worth. I know the years of experience that comes with it. Ooh. And is it that you take it? or you leave it yeah. and it might seem like you yes but then you know what you are going to offer even if they say yeah they can find someone who will do it less then by all means please go ahead one thing they tend to forget is that cheap is expensive yeah if you find someone who does it for you at a cheaper price at a less expensive price and it's terrible you have to pay twice the amount again to get it at, at a higher quality so cheap is expensive right yeah, yeah. and so um when it comes to negotiating or when it comes to telling people this is what I want to earn, this is what my rates are, I know what I'm bringing to the table and it's going to be reflective in the output of work I, I give you. And then you're going to see the value for money, right? Mm -hmm. But then back then as a beginner, I was so scared and I just wanted money. I, and, and looking back at it now, I mean, if you tell me that, that story, trust me, is that my mother's one millionaire upwards <laughs> I'll charge you. <laughs> <laughs> right because <laughs> i know that i've made mistakes over the years i've refined and sharpened my writing style mm -hmm. and, and everything so yeah that was my first um pricing experience mm -hmm. and 250 250 actually did a lot of things got me a new laptop and actually i think actually ate shawarma for like a week straight <laughs> but how old how old were you then uh that was uh i think i was 22 21 22. Uh -huh. fresh from school yeah 21 22 yeah so i think i had shawarma because then yeah i think things were not as bad economy wise as it is now i think shawarma was like 800 or so i shouldn't have a shawarma for like a <laughs> and got myself a new laptop so that is how uh, over the years i've learned how to work around my pricing and not to come across as overbearing i mean some clients you see has been overbearing right mm -hmm. that you have been pushy or and also the african african factor that you people's cost of living is small yeah yeah so why yeah. are you asking me to yeah why are you asking me so so yeah there are also many things to consider but then when you know what you're bringing to the table please just just stick by it uh, just stick by it that's what i would say thank you all right on the same terms of what we're talking about if you check google you see different ideas and usually the answers you get are not in line with your reality uh -huh, uh -huh. you can see google telling you a junior content marketer or an entry-level content marketer should get about twenty-eight thousand usd or thirty forty thousand USD. and you're in your head you're already thinking and you walk up to one startup here in nigeria and you tell them okay you know what i don't have experience but i want you to pay me five thousand us per month <laughs> <laughs> so for someone who is just starting for someone who is just getting into marketing today how would you advise them to charge let's say they're getting a full-time role in content marketing how would you advise the person to charge and not make the same mistake you made when you started out? See, this question is, is actually quite tricky. 
tricky. <laughs> I know. It is. It is. It is actually quite tricky. Yeah, because like you said, Google gives you. I think Google just gives average, and I don't think they even consider people from people outside the US. Because yeah. you're starting now. Other years, you say okay, ah, you're just starting out in content market. They should be earning like 30, 40k USD, and then you just look at your reality. You're like, eh? fifty thousand era. This is agency that they are trying to get <laughs> to clients or retainer that will pay me something something USD. Mm-hmm. Right. So I've worked as both a freelancer and as a full-time content marketer. So what I usually do is I just start by what and what so what our advice people who are just starting out is to um, they should always research the market rates. Yeah. Remember when I said I, w- I wanted to charge for my first um, writing gig ever? Mm-hmm. I got ideas from different people and I wrote it down and I looked at it. So I think it's also something that applies to beginners in, in 2023. Just start by researching the market rate for the types of content services you plan to offer. Mm-hmm. Look at job posts. The ones who are kind enough to put um, salary, their remuneration, um, whatever, on it, on their job descriptions. Look at it. Yeah. Look at freelance platforms. Look at what they are um, paying people by the hour. Look at competitor rates. Just to get a sense of price ranges. And then, so when you get all this, then you cannot adjust for your geography and your skill level. Mm. So when you look at all these things, you now have like an average. So it's now up to you to reduce it, increase it to meet whatever, whichever part of the world you are in. Yeah. And then you are not just limiting yourself by losing yourself into the imagination of working for a USD company. You're also looking at reality, working for a Nigerian company. Your geography, so you look, yeah. Yes. So you're adjusting for your geography and skill level. And then so when you are starting out here, it's common for beginners to charge less as you build experience and a portfolio because most people just want to build their portfolio mm-hmm. and they are ready to do anything but then why you're ready to do anything just to build a portfolio don't undervalue yourself too drastically True. don't like i said before you have a list of um, different prices so you can consider like you know like i said before it's up to you to reduce or increase but then if you are looking to get into the market and then just start building your portfolio asap you can consider a, a 20 to 30 percent discount for market rate so not completely free no i don't advise people to do free jobs you know what it takes to do research i don't advise people to do free jobs at all there's this long debate it's still an ongoing debate in the writing community or rather marketing community on twitter between um, people saying that if you're just starting out you should take unpaid jobs in quotes even for an experienced marketer for me presently when i apply to jobs someone coming to that company with over five years experience you still get companies asking you to write an unpaid test uh-huh. and the first question i always tell them is have you gone through the portfolio i sent to you <laughs> because there is a portfolio there's a reason why i sent you that portfolio it contains all the articles that i feel are related to the job i'm applying for and the value i can give your company so if you have gone through that portfolio why are you still asking for an unpaid test okay you know it's fine people lie in their portfolio mm-hmm. yeah so you might want to do a test try it out and say okay you know what let's see how you can write on this particular topic now that's fine pay me for that test that you need mm-hmm. but then you, you get a lot of people with differing opinions saying that nah it should be free if you're starting out then something i want to you become you're a known writer 
data or in known content markets or something like that. So yeah, I completely understand that. And thank you for pointing that out. So say no to free jobs. No, no free jobs. So relating to money, since we've been talking about money quite a lot now, this is a very personal question. What is the highest amount you have gotten per project kind of thing or one article or a full-time gig, any one of them, what is the highest amount you have been paid for a particular role? <laughs> my, my ears are, my ears are stretched up presently. Do, do you want to hear what you have to say? <laughs> okay, so um, I actually prefer not to discuss exact numbers. Oh, okay. But, okay, one thing I would say was that I've been fortunate to actually have some I I value clients and I value projects over the years, uh, especially when I transitioned to the Web3 space. So even before I transitioned to the Web3 space, okay, so thinking Web2, let me see. Yeah, during the pandemic, I actually got a, a job actually quite candy. So let's say in, in Naira, it was like, it was like a million. Yes. Ooh. Was it a one-time project? You know? Yes, it was. It wasn't. A, it wasn't an article. It was for a short story. Wow. God, I don't want to be a mechanic. I want to be a bowler. <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't, it wasn't paid in US, you know, it wasn't paid in Naira, but that's the equivalent of the payment okay. in USD. Okay. There was like, like a millionaire and a couple of around top, so. All right. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing. I know it's very tricky to disclose your earnings and all of that, but thank you for sharing. I mean, that's for Web3, but for Web3, oh, I'm for not Web, saying. Oh, uh, you still call. Oh, yeah, talk, talk, talk. For Web3, go. No, 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 that's for Web2. And I was, but for Web3, I am not saying. Like I said, I just said that one because that was like the highest amount I've been paid for a single project when I was in Web2. And in Web3, uh, no, I think I'll just try to keep that under wraps. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, away from money. A business owner eats you up and says that they want you to create a content strategy for them. What is your process of creating a content strategy? So, first thing first, what I do is I listen. Mm when they are talking because when you when a business approaches you or when a business owner approaches you and says okay I want you to create a strategy for us a contract strategy on the call either in person or virtual I listen because it's by listening to them that I get to understand how passionate they are about their business mm-hmm. and what they hope to achieve by reaching out to you and what they want you to do for them when you meet a passionate business owner and you listen closely to what they have to say and how they are talking about their business you understand the company and you understand what their customers care about most i mean you can do all the research in the world but if the person that owns the business or the person that is in charge if you don't get to hear them speak if you don't get to understand what exactly where they are coming from i'm sorry to say that your strategy is doomed from the start mm-hmm. so what i do first is um I listen closely to understand what the company or the business or the brand, what they understand, what they want, try to understand them and try to understand what their customers care about most. And so after that, after touching the I's and crossing the T's, then it's time for some brainstorming fun. Okay. That is when you now come up with engaging topics, formats, what strategies should I go with? What are the best strategies to map out this story over time? So it's like a cool TV show with different episodes, right? Mm-hmm. Like coming from different angles. And so that is where the fun of the brainstorming come from. You try to understand that, okay, what angle am I going to come from? And I should also add that after 
trying to understand what the brand wants from you market research if they have they've been doing content marketing before you look at their previous content performance and you also get to interview people too stakeholders maybe so from there i map out like audience segments and buyer journeys to identify key messaging opportunities and so the fun part i actually really 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 enjoy like i said before is um brainstorming topic ideas across different formats yeah so topics for articles topics for videos topics for podcasts and more and then so after after doing this then it's time to craft content frameworks that allow the stories and campaigns to unfold over time just like i said before with um tv like a tv series and then episodes have been released every week and something like that so yeah my content frameworks allows my stories and campaigns to unfold over time and so i once i have an editorial plan then i outline a promotion strategy across own channels like um, social media paid ads influencer marketing if they have the budget for that and also other avenues that is tailored to reach each audience segment that i've already crafted out effectively because most people when you're crafting your audience segment you can't just um, lump everybody under blog post yeah. Not everybody people have sh- some people have short attention span they just want to listen some people just prefer to listen why they do other things some just prefer to watch some prefer to read so you can't just lump all your audience into one into a particular segment so i have to make sure that the strategy it works across both own media own channels sorry social media paid ads influencers and other avenues that's been tailored to reach each audience segment that have been created how to reach them effectively and lastly i also build a feedback loop to like continually assess performance and optimize based on what resonates with them so after i've done all the strategy thing reaching out to these people so the feedback loop is basically was it podcast that resonated with this particular audience more is that what we should focus on is it the video aspect is that what we should focus on more is it the blog post is that what we should focus on more so it's it's an in-depth process yeah it's not something you can just <laughs> sit down and just do in like a day or two it takes a while yeah if you want effective results it takes a while and and it's also important to also maximize your content impact and so you don't have to waste your resources at all because yeah so yeah i mean i could go on and Thank on you. but that's yeah. like a summary of um how i go about my content strategy yeah that was very comprehensive that was very comprehensive thank you you're welcome so as a content marketer mm-hmm. what are some tools what are some automation tools that assist you and are a part of your workflow <laughs> first of all shout out to my brain <laughs> shout out to my brain okay so google dogs okay. my love yeah, def- I'm, definitely, sure, definitely. I'm sure google dogs is tired of me <laughs> every day once i turn on my laptop and it does a turn oh my god like hey i love this is here again so shout out to my brain shout out to google dogs i mean google actually cracked that part yeah google dogs same brush for seo yeah uh um, i also use hrefs same brush hrefs uh, google analytics well i must say that that ga4 is actually stressing me out i don't know why the middles go to ga4 or something i think it's really stressing me. <laughs> I've, I've been seeing a lot of people talking about it on twitter too well maybe because it's still new shall we adapt over time no well, um moving on someone walks up to you at an event where you have gone to speak about content marketing and she tells you that she wants to get into content marketing also she sees you as a role model 
and would love to get to where you are in content marketing and as a career, what are some skills that person would need to learn to become a great content marketer over the years? Huh. That's a deep question. Very deep question. <laughs> if someone walks up to me and say, Hi, Olabisi, I want to get into content marketing. What are the things I... I need to learn to be able to improve my writing skills or to be a great content marketer. First of all, I'll tell the person, sure I know that, but the next couple of years, your brain will be on, on a para mode 24-7. <laughs> <laughs> your brain will be on a para mode 24-7. There are, there are days where you want to get frustrated. There are days you get frustrated. There are days you have writer's block. There are days you don't even understand how you want your strategy to go, right? Mm-hmm. So that's just that's just banned. But first thing I'll tell them is work on your writing skills. Yeah. It's actually is very, very important. It is very, very important. Work on your writing skills and because content marketing is all about storytelling and communication, right? Yeah. And so it's important for you to work on developing like a captivating and conversational writing style. True. You want people to be able to read your stuff. You want to get people's attention. It's also another thing for you to be able to keep your writing simple, easy to read and understandable. Because not everyone likes to read big, big grammar. It's overwhelming sometimes. So let your writing style be unique to you. Yeah. And just do your thing. You can worry about other things later, but most important thing is on your writing skills. Content marketing is about storytelling, yeah? yeah? So you can't be a great content marketer without being an amazing storyteller that's how it works uh, so you need to also study how does compelling writing how does it look like you look at it across um, different formats because the way you are going to write for social media it's different from how you are going to write your emails different from how you are going to write your articles so you study them across board and trying to understand how a captivating and compelling writing looks like uh, other skills that will also advise them is have a great creativity and design sense yeah. i'm not saying you should go and learn figma no but a great content of, often requires amazing design to accompany it thank god for canva god bless canva you can learn and then just try to understand that okay for this particular email content i'm writing what kind of visual will accompany it what kind of visual will go in line with the topic or go in line with the content so it's also great as a content marketer to also have creativity and design sense you don't necessarily have to be like a professional designer but then just have an idea of how it works so when it comes to a time you need it you don't have to start scrambling and start brushing up and down and research skills too is important yeah. it's always good to be a great researcher you know how to gather insights you know when you are um, interviewing people stakeholders especially you know what to pick out for for me you know how to expand on whatever information they give you you know how to gather your data to gather your information at the end of the day you know to use it to create valuable accurate content and also good to also learn research best practices this is very very important and um, project management like i said before during when i was banting that if you want to sign up to be a content marketer shanda your brain will be hot for like next couple of years <laughs> so that is where project management comes in you have to learn how to ideate to promotion your content coordination across different platforms it's also good to be organized organizational skills are highly crucial and 
thinking you have to always be thinking on your feet because content marketing strategy yeah. yeah so you have to align your content efforts with a much more broader marketing strategies and business goals so you have to consider your messaging architecture and how do you want your campaigns sequencing of campaigns that is very very important for those especially who do email marketing yeah, it's actually yeah. very important to understand your messaging architecture and how to sequence your campaigns so one thing i want to tell you also to also stay up to date because um, social media evolves quickly yeah things happen and go to bed now knowing that um Elon Musk is not charging for twitter you wake up the next morning and you have to pay three dollars or instagram with their updates Hi. Mm-hmm. First, we have to always stay up to date and always stay up to date the tech you use always be up to date every day all the time and learn how to work with others how to collaborate with others yeah how to work across teams because there'll be times as a content marketer where you need to work with the sales team because yeah. they are the ones who talk to customers directly you need to work with them you need to work with the tech bros you need to work with PRs um, you have to work on your collaborative spirit precisely and lastly you have to be like a child in this industry talk about your curiosity and passion mm-hmm. you have to be like a baby because babies can children can always ask questions at the point you're like oh my god so you have to always be curious all the time and this what motivates your audiences because when you're curious all the time you're curious to learn what uh, what your audience are doing what your target audience are doing what are they learning about your curiosity actually informs and directs your your content strategy and don't say because okay you are working with an hr company that is where it, that is where it ends tomorrow a bigger gig might come up and it's a tech company what happens then so because you're working for a particular industry doesn't mean you should not stay informed or stay curious about mm-hmm. other industries all right thank you to add one more thing to the skill i would say the ability to take feedback yes yes because that's a very necessary skill you need to take feedback from the editor that you're working with if you're working with an editor or even with other members of the team yes yes right winding down what are some mistakes that you have made along your career and what lessons did you learn from them Mistakes has happened. Plenty. Plenty mistakes has happened over the years. But one thing I realized was that because I wanted to meet some more realistic deadlines and not to anger my client or not to make them see me as serious, I sometimes sacrifice quality just because I got a deadline. So it was like a rush to work. Yeah. And when I knew I could have actually looked at it and said, okay, this particular thing will take me two weeks because I wanted to please the person i told them for this and then in the process i had to sacrifice quality to meet unrealistic deadlines that's a mistake you should not make yeah. the quality of your work comes before anything because that is what speaks about you and because now i now know the value of pushing back on unreasonable expectations even if it means that we're going to have that tough conversation and i'm telling you that you want this in three days i don't work like that you are going to get in seven days and you're going to get the best of the best so it's up to you do you still want to go ahead if you don't want to go ahead it is fine i'm doing that our president meme now <laughs> it is fine where is and where is both of his hands was raised you know the yeah. meme it is fine you can go ahead and find someone who will do it for you in a day and a half but then so it, 
it means having that tough conversations we're going to have it so no unreasonable expectations so i don't find myself working under pressure and i mean the end product is just so much better when you take the time to do it right true true and one thing that i also advise people that are just starting out is always learn to say no i've i've learned to say no when a project is outside my experience level or bandwidth i mean people always say that if you can't do something take it and then you learn along the way but there are some jobs that will come some people that will come then you're like ah no this one passed me i can't do it no i do not want to ruin my the word i'm looking for i do not want to ruin your reputation your name yes that this person has set for me it's just outside my experience level my band do it so i just tell them i'm sorry i'll have to decline and this and that and so if you are just starting out you might not have that the bandwidth to say no to jobs because you need the you need the experience and you need the money yeah and so you might take it but don't ever compromise your quality don't ever compromise the expectations that people have set for you just because um of the money that comes with it i mean it's what i've had to learn over the years too so when you are pushing for all these things and you tend to avoid these mistakes and at the end of the day you you have happier clients you have people who are happy with you and your portfolio is even way stronger that's a very great advice so i know you're a big wine lover <laughs> what is your favorite type of wine for me presently i am having a glass of declan exclusive red wine declan the espanya okay so for you yeah what what is your favorite type of wine red or white 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 i'm a white wine lover i used to be a red wine lover but um i had white wine at that event i was like where have you been my whole life <laughs> where can we go to learn more about you what platform and what are your usernames on all your platforms okay so linkedin i'm super active on linkedin on linkedin that's my name on linkedin so you can always send me a request on linkedin and if you want to learn more about content marketing especially in web3 space i'm just a dm i respond to all my dm and i'm also quite active on twitter too and tbc underscore and tbc underscore on twitter um yeah those are my two professional platforms where i i chat about web3 marketing and anything marketing related all right thank you for sharing for everyone out there if you would also love to learn more about web3 and web3 marketing as a whole listen to web3 quick bites you can go to spotify any of your podcast platform and just type in web3 quick bites and you will get it immediately all right thank you thank you so much for coming on this podcast to talk with me about content marketing and everything you have learned in your five plus year journey you're welcome you're the first guest so hooray Uh, pleasure all right take care of yourself and have a lovely day ahead thanks for joining me on this episode of marketing over wine to listen to more career stories of marketing professionals around the world subscribe on spotify Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or any podcast app of your choice, or simply visit marketingoverwine.com to stay up to date.